Welcome back to the Two Guys One Plant Podcast. We are a weekly podcast where we deep dive into fruits and vegetables every single week. We talk about the history, nutrition. We also talk about the best ways to cook with the vegetable that we're talking about that week and also how to grow it for yourself. My name is Simon Hall and my counterpart with the mounterpart is, I don't know what happened there. It's Timothy Aikman. All right. G'day, mate. Uh, Hello, buddy. Nice rhymes. Nice rhymes. Yeah, I got lost in my own rhythm. You, you, you should be a rapper. Mm-mm. I'd be a crapper rapper. <laughs> uh have you ever been lost in your own rhythm before uh, i'm not i'm not 100 percent sure what you mean by that <laughs> yeah fair enough <laughs> i don't really know where i was going with that either but uh, you, you're on a roll and then all of a sudden you've lost where you're up and then yeah, it sounds something like, like that sounds like crap yeah oh he's trying to say that it sounded really bad just then. <laughs> uh well hey mate so uh, how have you been i have been well and that's good still at home yep yeah no no all good mate yeah it's kind of the opposite when you really think about it because when you're sick people tell you to stay home but when you're well you really should be out and about but it's the opposite right yeah yeah it'd be nice if just everyone who is sick just stayed home so the rest of us could go about what we were doing correct it would not be nice hey yeah yeah it would be that actually makes sense Mm. crazy well, yes, we're still in the world's toughest lockdowns, but, um, mm. you know, we just, we'll get through it eventually. But, you know, mm-hmm. we, you and I and some other friends had a dinner party via a video call during the week. That, yeah, was, that was fun. Yeah. yeah, that was fun. I, I really enjoyed that. And the food was amazing. I, uh, yeah. I, uh, yeah. <laughs> I was really happy. Your food looked delicious. I wish yeah. I could smell everybody's food. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like smell-o-vision? Yeah. Yeah, that would be really good, actually. Mm. Although there were there are parts of the video where probably smell wouldn't have been that good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But no, uh, yeah, it was really good. Yours looked great, too. And I think uh, it gave us an opportunity to cook a little differently from the normal cooking that you do during the week you know yeah yeah so we we did the theme we did sri lankan food for the theme for for our dinner that we had via zoom with a few people and everyone came with some some quality dishes yeah we all did something different which was yeah. good yeah. gave us a good opportunity to cook with the fable as well oh yeah the fable meat oh my goodness not not a paid ad but that stuff is delicious i had never tried it before and the texture and yeah, really, really good. Yeah. yeah. Like worth every penny. Mm. And I actually think it's reasonably priced for what it is. You know? Yes. Yeah, it's, it's not too bad. Yeah. No. Cause when you like, you get 250 grams in the, in the thing and like, mm. if you scaled that up to like, if you were paying per kilo, mm. it's similar to some prime like, cuts. Some, yeah. Some, some meats you pay that much for anyway. So yeah, if you can get it as a, you know, as a plant-based meat that actually is top-notch, really good, works, it works so well. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Anyway, not a paid ad, but go check out Fable Plant Food. Mm. Um, 
their plant-based meat is sensational made from shiitake mushrooms mm. which uh we will be aiming to speak to them in our shiitake mushroom episode yeah we will not be aiming to do it we will be talking to them in our shiitake mushroom episode guaranteed there you go i've made a big statement we'll see mm. you have just got to make it happen we were we were discussing something before the podcast that I think you should read out. Oh yeah! So we had a really I had I got a really nice message from uh, someone I used to work with who is a fan of the podcast. Um, so thanks for sending me a message, Siva. I'll write back to you as well. I'm not just going to say it on the podcast and not write back to you, so it's okay. <laughs> um, yeah, some really good feedback. He just said another great episode, guys. Um, you're really nice to listen to when I'm on my long walks. And I just realized that I've actually been to the place in Andhra Pradesh in India where the biggest tree exists. So, which is what we talked about in the fig episode. Anyway, this tree that has a canopy that is over four acres. Is that correct? Yeah, it's close, closer to five, yeah. five acres. Yeah. Yeah. And he was just saying it brings up some really good memories for him, which is amazing. I love those kind of messages. It's really you know, encouraging when we get those messages and we can talk about it, which is yeah. great. Yeah, definitely. And it, man, ha, I would love to have gone there. That place sounds amazing. I know. Yeah. It looks sensational. I, Cause you know, after we finished the podcast and I was doing a little bit more looking into what you were talking about with the figs and like seeing mm. all the images and, you know, the satellite images of this tree is ridiculous. It's mm. enormous. Yeah. Yeah, um, people should go and listen to the fig episode, but look up um, Thimama Mari Manu, I think it's called. That is correct. Yeah. Mm. Yep. Quite remarkable. Mm. Yeah. So that's uh, it was really good feedback. I love getting those messages. If you have anything, if you, we spark memories, send it through. I've got a, a memory for this week from my dad, but Ooh. I'm going to get to that in the weed facts. Well, what are we doing this week? Well, we're doing rhubarb. <laughs> Didn't anyone tell you? Oh, oh no. Turn it up, mate. Yeah. I'll just quickly I'll just quickly look up something now. Yeah. I'm so glad you've done your research. <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> now we're doing rhubarb this week. I'm very excited about this. It's it's one of those fruits or vegetables that I, uh, I was gonna cover that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can. I touch on it at the beginning of mine, but Okay. Uh yeah, it's um well tell everyone what it is. What is it, mate? Well, it's it's not simple. Well, it is simple. It's it's a vegetable, but yes. um there is some places in America that have officially classed it as a fruit. And this goes back to um tomato when we did the tomato yes. episode where uh that was also classed as well that was reclassed to avoid certain taxes and rhubarb is the same it was reclassed um as a fruit particularly in new york to avoid certain vegetable taxes but it's technically a vegetable yeah botanically it is a vegetable yep albeit a sweet vegetable Mm. a vegetable nonetheless correct yeah well look let's just jump in my my fact (laughs) Okay, cool. (laughs) Sorry, I missed the memo on that beginning. (laughs) Well, my fact is from my dad this week. Um, Nice. Yeah, so I told him that we're doing rhubarb this week and he was saying that, you know, back in Scotland when they were growing up, 
they used to have rhubarb quite a lot, but the way they used to eat rhubarb was they'd break off because rhubarb used to grow everywhere uh, and they'd break off a stalk and they'd dip it in sugar Mm. and just eat it raw with sugar. Like, you you know, the end, you dip it in the thing and it covered in sugar and then you just shove it in your mouth. Mm. Yeah. To me, that sounds horrible. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. And they never cooked it. That was the only way they ate rhubarb. Um, my grandma used to preserve it, mm-hmm. but they never cooked, like cooked with it. Mm. I don't know that I've ever cooked with rhubarb. Really? I'm not. No, I've oh. definitely eaten things like rhubarb jam and rhubarb pie and that sort of thing, but I don't think yeah. I've ever, ever cooked with it myself. Oh, I have. It's cool. pretty cool. Yep. Yeah. Anyway, they, nice. that, that's my fact for the week. Amazing. I'll do one more, which, I mean, look, I'm going to be honest, I really didn't know much about rhubarb going into this. But the, it's only the stems that you can eat. And in, mm-hmm. in actual fact, the, the leaves can be toxic. So they have a, um, uh, well, they, they contain toxic levels of oxalic acid. Yes. Um, and that oxalic acid, we have, we have brought up a couple of times before, but it's, it's kind of um, linked with kidney stones. So it kind of starts that calcification of minerals inside the body and can cause kidney stones. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. But yeah, I didn't know. Yeah. No, I didn't know that either. And look, I was going to cover a little bit of that uh, at the end of my history today. Cool. But I'm just going to touch on it right now. But they actually used to be served as greens in England before they knew about the toxicity. Wow. Yeah, but because of the concentrations of the oxalic, uh, o- o- oxalate, mm, oxalic, Ox- oxalic acid. Oh my <laughs> sweet! It's going to be one of those days. I can feel my tongue being <laughs> tied already. Um, which is an organic poison. Mm. Uh, so, did you know that about five kilos of leaves is a lethal dose to humans? I didn't. Yeah. That's- Wow. Which is not that much if you really think about it. I mean, that's a lot of leaves, I get, because, you know, a lot would have to go into five kilos. But, you know, it's not a crazy amount. It's not. Yeah, like it's not where they're like, you have to eat, you know. Yeah. It's, just, it's like uh, cyanide in apple seeds. Yeah. Like or you have a, to yeah. have a lot of them before you get like the, yeah. a, a full dose that's actually toxic to you. Yeah. But this is not that much. Mm. Mm. especially if it's like spinach leaves and they boil down to nothing absolutely yeah so yeah that's cool huh very good i mean not cool <laughs> that was serving them as greens <laughs> here's a little side of poison with your meal <laughs> i was Maybe... watching i was watching um i mean not the best movie in the world but a million ways to die in the west the other day oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's like that it's like everything's here to kill you <laughs> yeah <laughs> yes yeah <laughs> Uh, that's so funny. Mm. Uh, well, look, should we jump into history yeah. then? Let's do it, mate. Awesome. All right. Well, uh, history is going to be fun today, a little bit. It's actually... <laughs> well, what is it? A lot fun? Or... <laughs> well, it's a little bit fun and a lot of information. Good. No, not that much. Look, it's uh, this was actually a kind of a weird one for me because, you know, rhubarb in history 
has really been a bit different to what we usually cover. That's good. So uh, in history, rhubarb was really used medicinally Mm. and not culinarily. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So it's only really been the last 200 years from the 1800s or to, you know, 1800s to now that rhubarb was used culinarily, actually cooked with it. Yeah. Okay. That is different to what we've been doing. Yeah. It's crazy. Mm. But medicinally, it goes back like more than 5,000 years. Wow. So that to me is incredibly strange. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Right? So, so really when we're talking about it today, we're going to talk a little, a lot about the medicinal side and where it's been and, and how it made it to different areas and where it actually originated. And we're going to talk about the name as well. So I'm going to start off with the name. So originally it's a, you know, a Latin name, um, but the Romans imported rhubarb roots across the barbarian lands uh, over this river that was the Ra River. So uh, the, and they kind of knew it as the Ra plant. So then they, they turned it into Ra Barbarum and then eventually it became Ra Barbarum uh, as a whole word. So the other one was Ra Barbarum and then it became Ra Barbarum. And then that was the Latin for the rhubarb plant. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So Originally, though, rhubarb started in China. So that oh. is its origin. Yeah. Yeah. And in Chinese, they called rhubarb the great yellow. And it's yeah. not really yellow, though, is it? Uh, some of them are. Right. Yeah. So I think it depends on how long you grow them for. Yeah. Because as they get darker, they get sweeter, don't they? Or they... I believe that yeah. is the case, but yeah. I didn't do the yeah. growing. Mm. I did. Somebody else did. <laughs> yes, I did. So I don't know. No, but uh, so the Chinese have been using rhubarb medicinally for thousands of years. So it actually appears in the Divine Farmer's Herb Root Classic, um, which was actually compiled about 1,800 years ago. So have you heard of the Divine Farmer's okay. Herb Root Classic? Yeah. Okay. So... It's this book. It's by Shenong uh, Benkao Jing, uh, and it's the earliest known Chinese manual of pharmacy that was compiled during the East Han Dynasty. Wow. Um, now, under the influence of the idea to make uh, heaven and man into one, the book consists of 365 drugs, uh, and they divide them into three levels, upper, middle, and lower to match the three realms of heaven, earth, and man. That's interesting. Yeah, crazy, yeah. right? And I actually started to read a bit of that particular book because there's a copy of it online. Right, yeah. But I couldn't decipher much of it. <laughs> All of the, the actual names are in uh, Chinese. Right. And then the descriptions are in English. Yeah. But I couldn't for the life of me, figure out where anything was. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. that was fun. But yeah, I, I know that rhubarb is in the book. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, rhubarb was actually imported along the Silk Road. Okay. Uh, so when we're talking about going into Europe into the 14th century, uh, they they took it in through the ports of Aleppo and uh, Samira 
where it became known as Turkish rhubarb. Mm-hmm. It also uh, came via ships as well and overland through to Russia. And in Russia, they classed it as the Russian rhubarb. Um, and it was actually really valued uh, at that time. So the actual cost of transportation, because they were getting most of it from China, the cost of transportation from Asia was so expensive that it made it quite ex- quite an expensive um, drug. Yeah. And when I talk about drug, they actually dried the rhubarb out, ground it down into a powder, and it was used as a powder. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Or the dried root kind of thing, yeah? Yep, yep. Yeah. So in terms of uh, value, when we compare it to spices like cinnamon, opium, and saffron, it was like three, four, five times as expensive as those... Uh, spices so like pineapple yeah exactly exactly like that exactly yeah so i mean you're talking about rhubarb being you know three four times as expensive as opium to me that's crazy Hmm. because you can't do that i don't (laughs) i don't know what the street value of opium was back then yeah i can tell you what it is today (laughs) no i can't actually tell you what it is today oh dear (laughs) Uh, so uh, we then move on to the explorer Marco Polo Mm -hmm. Um, he actually started searching for a place where the plant was grown and harvested Mm. so that he could start importing it as well yep Um, and there's also a a statement in uh, Rue Gonzalez de Clavigo's report of the embassy um, in 1403 to 1405 in Timor, uh, to Timor, sorry, saying that the best of all merchandise coming to Samarkand was from China, especially silks, satins, musk, rubies, diamonds, pearls, and rhubarb. Wow. So it was really up there in price. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, in the, it's in the same class as pearls rubies, diamonds. diamonds. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's crazy, huh? Yeah. So what was it used for? Mm. Yeah. So the Chinese use the dried roots of rhubarb as a laxative. Okay. Yep. Yeah. And I found this part really interesting. So, um, you know, about 2,100 years ago, they used it in Greek and Roman medicines as well for the same, same thing. Um, but they were saying that it was an astringent. So do you know what an astringent is? Uh, I can't remember off the top of my head. Yeah. so I did know what it was. I I didn't know off the top of my head either. So it's basically a contraction of skin cells and other body tissues. Yeah. Yeah. They use it in cosmetics. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. So it's it's an astringent and it also follows up by a cathartic impact. Mm. Now, cathartic impact is basically, you know, a laxative which enables you to purge. Yep. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the usefulness as for rhubarb as a cathartic was pretty much used all over Europe for a thousand years because the uh, rhubarb roots were effective um, as a laxative but also had short-lived side effects and was painless. Yeah, okay. Yep. Yeah. So the important part about that is really that, you know, back in ancient times in medicine, 
uh, purging and cathartics was a really, it played a really prominent role. Mm. So purging your system and removing all of the, you know, all the bad stuff in your system was part of what they used as a, as a medicinal you know yeah okay yeah I, when you said it was used as a laxative after you mentioned that it was so expensive and everybody wanted it i was really struggling with that concept that people would pay so much for a laxative but only <laughs> only because not because it's a laxative but i yes. think about what their diets would have been like back then and they probably ate food that would not agree with their guts and they probably you know were not not having the best bowel movements anyway. So why would you need a laxative? <laughs> true. Very true. Well, I mean, it was for the purging. Yeah. 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 Which I didn't really realize that that had such a big place, mm. you know? So, but uh, it, do you know, actually, sometimes it's actually sold today as a laxative as well. I didn't. Yeah. There you so go. just so you know, uh, like dried root of the rhubarb is sold yeah. these days as a laxative as well, which means, yeah. you know, it, it did exactly what it was supposed to do. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, obviously I'm not saying that rhubarb pie is going to make you, you know, really have to run to the toilet, but the dried root does what it's supposed to do. Mm. Mm. Okay. Yeah. So uh, the, the, another really interesting part that I found was that the, the rhubarb roots actually, how good they are at performing what they are supposed to do as a laxative really depended on the variety that you were using. So mm-hmm. it was found that the Chinese variety had the most efficiency at bringing on the laxative effect whereas some rhubarb varieties that kind of combinated out of that were basically had no laxative yeah exactly yeah yeah Yeah, okay so it was the chinese one that really was the one that was sought after Mm -hmm. Mm. quite interesting hey yeah well it's good for them when they're getting a good price for it absolutely So there's no real record of its common culinary use before the 1800s. As I said, you know, it really used as a laxative before that time. But uh, the consumption of the rhubarb stalks actually began in Britain in the early 19th century. Yes, not that long ago. No, not really at all. And they used it in desserts and also in winemaking. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yep. So, um, and it kind of took off there. So they, they started growing rhubarb in winter by, um, doing, it was called forced rhubarb growing. Mm -hmm. Um, and the popularity kind of took off in wit in winter and it's kind of spread through, uh, Britain and the U S and also Australia and New Zealand. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Uh, And that's really where it was the most popular. Uh, and it kind of hit its peak just before World War II. Mm. Um, since World War II, it's kind of gone down. Like not a lot of people eat rhubarb anymore. It used to be like massive, but yeah, you know, not really, not really as prevalent in our society anymore. Now, this <laughs> this part's really cool. So, okay. the widespread consumption of 
rhubarb in the 19th century had a lot to do with a guy called Joseph Myatt. And he was a South London nursery man and he had some rhubarb plants. Um, and he really told people about how you could make them into tarts. Uh, but he also, he also said that the best way to cook with your rhubarb was to combine it with something sweet. So he kind of pushed this concept of, you know, combine your rhubarb with something sweet like strawberries uh, or sugar or something like that. And you really get the most out of them. Yep. Yeah. Now, guess what uh, Joseph Myatt also grew? Sugarcane. I don't know. <laughs> strawberries. Strawberries, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Sugarcane. I just said strawberries, man. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was like oh, combining it with sugar. Yeah, all right. <laughs> yeah, well, he grew strawberries as well. So, yeah. I, and I think that this ties in with a lot of the things that we've spoken about before when we talked about orange and we mm. talked about, you know, it's someone who's quite clever, you know, with some marketing. Like yep. I'm sure it wasn't called marketing back then, but, you know. Persuasion. Exactly. <laughs> Propaganda. Yep. Really got the message out there that strawberries and rhubarb went really well together, mm. and then he could sell his strawberries and then also the um, the yep. rhubarb as well. Yep, yeah, kind of fun, huh? Now we spoke about the leaves being toxic, and this is where I was going to kind of bring that into it. But so the rhubarb leaves are a bit toxic, not really safe for culinary um, use. Um, and as I mentioned, they serve them as greens in in England. Um, but they were, you know, completely toxic. So even today, you shouldn't be having the leaves of the rhubarb mm. plant. So if you're going to grow it yourself, make sure you avoid that. Um, there are many, 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 many different hybrids and many different varieties of rhubarb. Yeah. So, you know, just be careful about what you're doing and, and how you're finding them. Um, but basically, that is a lot of the history of rhubarb very cool yeah cool. a little bit short and sharp but yep. you know medicinally it was uh it was really just used primarily as a laxative yep yeah it, interesting that you the history yeah like you said it is a different one where it kind of focuses on that medicinal use and there's not much in terms of eating it and i think that mm. reflects in the available information as well you know yeah, yeah okay the history short and sharp and it flows over to the um, nutrition medicine there's um there's not a huge amount of information out there and i think that just represents the fact that we don't consume a lot of it as mainstream diet and that sort of thing yeah very true very very true Hundred grams of fresh rhubarb. So um, I'm not going to go into the full breakdown. I'm just going to pull out some some key points. Uh, so 100, fr- 100 grams of fresh rhubarb. Friends? Yeah, hundred friends. Yeah, hundred friends of friends. Have you, been, have you been looking at my Facebook? Uh, <laughs> hundred friends, <laughs> mate. Is that a lot? I don't know. <laughs> I think I'm one of those people that didn't add people as friends. No, I, got uh, I wasn't a big acceptor. I'm not a big acceptor of friends. I, 
you know, I actually unless... don't send Facebook invitations to anybody. Oh no, I haven't <laughs> done that for years. <laughs> yeah. Are we and friends it, on Facebook? I don't even know. <laughs> yeah. I, I still have um, requests there that I've never, like there's a whole, there's a whole heap of people that yes. have asked and I'll just leave them. <laughs> yeah. I think I have that too, but yeah. I mean, if I'm not like really close with you, then mm. yeah, I feel like, why do you want to know so much about me? Correct. Like, yeah. Just stay out of my business from yeah. a distance. <laughs> anyway, anyway, we digress. A <laughs> hundred grands of fronds. Of fronds, yes. Yeah. Of rhubarb fronds. Yeah. So vitamin C, about thirteen percent of your daily intake. Vitamin K, about thirty-seven percent of your daily intake. Okay. Calcium, nine percent of your daily intake. I'm going to, I'm going to circle back to calcium once I get to the end. Potassium, 8% of your daily intake. Manganese, 10% of your daily intake. Plus with an honorable mention, vitamin A, vitamin E, all your B complex. So, you know, thiamine, riboflavin, mm-hmm, all that mm-hmm, sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Iron, magnesium, zinc, copper, and selenium. So it's actually got a really good all round profile. Yeah. But there's not, there's no like one big standout that we've had in previous episodes with different things. Yeah. Okay. But it was the calcium that stuck out to me. I was like, poor 9% calcium. I don't think we've had anything that's had that much calcium in it. Not in a hundred gram. Well, not a spice or a herb in a hundred grams. Yeah. Yeah. So really high in calcium, but here's the kicker. The calcium is actually in a form called calcium oxalate. And mm-hmm. the body actually has trouble absorbing it. So in okay. the end, you're really not going to get a lot of calcium from that, uh-huh. even though it sounds like there's a lot in there. Yeah. So is there any way to actually absorb the calcium? Um, I, ha- I, I, I don't know. Uh, it's a, a good question. One that Kristen raised with me when I was explaining this to her the other day. Okay. Yeah. Um, and she said, I wonder if there's, there's a pairing that you could do to try and improve the absorption. So I'm not 100% sure on that. We'd have to have to check and see. Okay. Maybe we can, maybe if we, we find can look the answer, into that. we'll put, oh, it, no, on I'll the, put it, yeah, put it on the definitely, Instagram. Definitely, yeah. definitely. Yeah. yeah, I think, um, you know, something that we don't talk a lot about is bioavailability. Mm. And, you know, just because something has 56% of your daily intake or such and such, you know, the bioavailability for you to actually absorb that nutrient or that mineral or yeah, vitamin, that's right. Yeah, uh, you know, it's not always at that full percentage. Yeah, and it's and it's exactly like this. You know, this comes in the form of calcium oxalate, and it's the same with a lot of other things. They come in different forms. Mm. We oxalated, chelated, like there's a whole heap of different things yeah. that different minerals come in different formats, and it's good to try and get them from all the different sources to give your body the best chance to absorb everything. Absolutely, yeah. and you know, we we've spoken about you know eating a wide variety of fruits and vegetables because they all have different, you know, delivery mechanisms for Mm. the nutrients. And there are some, there are some vitamins and minerals that work well to uh, allow your body to absorb other vitamins and minerals better. Mm. So, you know, that's, I think that's why it's really important not to just stick to, you know, a couple of different things you really should be. And we've spoken about this a couple of times in the last couple of episodes about yeah. getting more than, you know, 30 to 40 different yeah. vegetables a week. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Every week we've been keeping our, keeping our, just a, like not religiously writing everything down, but you know, just 
um, just being conscious about it. So mm. we might we might give 15 minutes in a week to just writing a quick list of the things that we think we've eaten or whatever and, you know, yeah. just getting a rough idea of how varied our diet has been and yeah. whether we need to look at eating something else or... Yeah, nice. Which has been good because, you know, we'd go to the shops and buy carrot and potato and sweet potato and broccoli and, you know, all the standards and... And since we've started doing that, it's like, oh, we'll just grab, we'll just grab a parsnip and we'll just get a swede and a turnip and a, yep. like, yeah. So we just start on a, just really small modifications in the diet. Yeah. Yeah. Just swapping out a couple of things. Yeah. 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 We still Absolutely. eat the same other stuff. We just add those in as well. Yep. Yeah. That's no, good. Um, yeah. So back on, on rhubarb. Uh, so the, the, obviously the standout there is 37% of the vitamin K we've spoken about K in just about every episode we've done, but a real quick recap, um, mm. really good for blood clotting, uh, really good for, um, maintaining strong bones and healthy bones. And even in, into old age, there's research about osteoporosis and osteoarthritis and that sort of stuff. And also yeah. really good for maintaining heart health and reducing yep. those risk factors for, um, cardiovascular disease. Yeah. Do you know what I love at the moment is that we've done these episodes so many times that we, we, as soon as you say vitamin K, I know it's like bone health, blood yeah. clotting, you know, yeah. like it, it's just drilled into my head now that I know exactly what it's for. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's good. Yeah. I feel like I'm learning heaps. Yeah. yeah me too. Mm. Um, okay. So one thing rhubarb has um, is a, it's a really good source of fiber. Uh, mm. so, I mean, anyone who's used rhubarb knows that it's really fibrousy anyway. So you kind yeah. of, you kind of know that from, from touching it and eating it. Um, but there have been, have been studies done, uh, that show that we've spoken about fiber so many times again, mm. but you know, fiber can have an impact on your cholesterol, but specifically rhubarb, there was a study, uh, in men with high levels and they ate 27 grams of rhubarb rhubarb stalk fiber and they did that every day for a month so just 30 days and Mm -hmm. their total cholesterol dropped by eight percent um so that's total cholesterol but specifically the ldl which is the bad dropped by nine percent um so you know really positive impact on your cholesterol and that that flows across a lot of um the fiber and things that we talk about absolutely Um, so yeah in terms of fiber you've got um help with digestion uh, so, you know, um, gut health and, and prebiotic type um, microbiome support and all that sort of thing, reducing the risk of chronic diseases. Um, and like I said, a lot of that is linked to your gut bacteria or your, your gut biome. Uh, Fiber has been shown to help with weight loss, reducing appetite, so kind of giving you that full feeling, but at the same time, slowing your digestion down, allowing the body to process everything. Mm. Um, and Fiber's also been shown to um, reduce that blood sugar spike you get after meals, particularly high carb meals where your blood sugar can really peak and, and that can cause problems with insulin sensitivity and that sort of thing as well. So um, adding well, having an increased level of fiber can really help um, with a lot of different things. There's mm. two different types of fiber. You've got soluble and insoluble. So again, you know, what we are talking about is just varying the source of the fiber. So knowing that rhubarb, Fiber kind of gets overlooked, if you ask me. We, when we talk about food, we talk about vitamins and minerals, mm-hmm, proteins, mm-hmm. fats, carbs, and I feel like fiber should be um, right up list. there. It should yeah. be very high on the list. I, yeah. I remember growing up, my mum's always like, eat it, it's got lots of fiber, and eat it, it's got lots of fiber, and you just get yeah. whatever. Like, 
I know. It's actually really, really important. It is. I mean, it's essential for your gut health, right? Yeah. Yeah. And gut health has been linked to overall health, brain health. Oh, mate, know, I was going to say the yeah. gut and your, the, the, the link between your gut and your brain. There've yep. been like all these studies to do with yeah. that. And like, you know, you're, they call it your second brain. Exactly. Yeah. 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 It's um, yeah, really important to support your gut health. Mm, absolutely. Um, I'm with you there. Yeah. So yeah, really high in fiber. Good for you. Um, uh, now again, this is one that kind of made sense to me because of the color, uh, but rhubarb's a rich source of antioxidants. And, you know, we've spoken a few times that generally um, the, the color is a pretty good indicator of antioxidant level, or at least the presence of antioxidants. Um, so one, there was one study that suggested that the total polyphenol content in rhubarb is actually higher than kale. Really? Yeah. So kale gets this, you know, like super, um, superfood status and that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, we haven't done kale. There is a lot going on, but there is a study that says that the antioxidant level in rhubarb is actually higher than kale. Wow. Um, so yeah, the, the type of antioxidants in there are, um, the anthocyanins and they're what's responsible for that red color that you see when it, when it starts to ripen. Yeah. Um, and um, we have spoken about the health benefit of antioxidants heaps of times, but basically, you know, fighting free radicals um, yep. and having anti-inflammatory product uh, properties, antiviral, and a lot of anti-cancer type um, results from that cleanup of free radicals and that sort of thing. So mm. some really positive things there with the, the um, antioxidant level. Um, there was a study that was in a 2010 report published in Nutrition Reviews. Um, so this author noted that the uh, anthocyanins improve, uh, appear to improve cholesterol levels, uh, blood sugar metabolism, and then again, you know, fighting that oxidative stress that we talked about. Yep. Um, and also intake of anthocyanins could also help with high blood pressure, which is a risk factor for heart disease. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, so some really, really positive news there about that. This particular antioxidant, anthro, anthrocyanins. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's another study that looked at the aid in prevention of breast cancer. Um, and this study was published in Phytotherapy Research in 2010 in test tube experiments. Uh, scientists showed that the anthrocyanins uh, inhibited the growth of breast cancer cells. So that, that one's kind of cool as well. Okay. Um, so the, these studies are on anthrocyanins. Now they're available in lots of different things. So not specifically on anthrocyanins that have come out of rhubarb, but anthrocyanins on their own. Yep. Um, and there's also, uh, another antioxidant called pro anthocyanidins. So slightly different. Yep. Um, and this is kind of falls in the tannins category when we talk about, um, Things that are tannin, you know, they have like that kind of bittery tanniny type taste. You know, we talk about in tea and wine and that sort of stuff as well. Yeah. But that that um, proanthrocyanidins uh, is kind of thought to be responsible for, you know, when we talk about red wine and cocoa specifically, it's kind of the same thing. So rhubarb's got that that same same antioxidant as red wine and cocoa. And you know, when we talk about those kind of benefits, it's similar to rhubarb. Interesting, um, huh? Yeah, it is. It is very interesting. Uh, 
but that is the nutrition of the rhubarb. I love it. Mm. It's fantastic. So again, short and sweet, but um, some interesting stuff in there. Yeah, I like that. That was really good. Yeah. I like short and sweet. Yeah. Yeah. It seems actually quite fitting for rhubarb. (laughs) Shall we talk about how to cook it? Yeah, man. Yeah. All right. Cool. So uh, I'm going to run you through a few different things uh, with rhubarb. Uh, Okay. So cooking with rhubarb. Now, you said that before that you've never cooked with rhubarb? No, never. Yep. Yeah. Have you ever, uh, like, seen it, held it, anything like that? Uh, yes. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yep. Okay. So I think uh, the biggest thing here is, uh, and I'm not sure if you're going to talk about this in the growing stage, but um, there's something called forced rhubarb, which no. I, I touched on it at the beginning. Like yep. in Britain, they used forced rhubarb. So mm-hmm. forced rhubarb is actually grown in the dark and it comes out at the end of January, usually like in, in um, Northern hemispheres and it'd be different. It'd be six months different down here, but it's the one that's bright pink. Um, and then there's ones that are outdoor, which are the thicker ones and uh, a bit brighter red in color. Right. Okay. Yep. Yeah. So you can bake rhubarb, you can poach rhubarb, uh, in terms of baking it, you chuck it in, uh, you cut it into chunks. Make sure you get rid of the uh, leaves. Leaves. I don't know how many times we have to tell you this, people, but get rid of the leaves. They're poisonous. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's not what you want. Yeah. Nope. Um, wants and you. Stones. Sorry. Nobody wants kidney stones. No, exactly. <laughs> and and to die. Like five kilos is a lethal dose. Yeah. I mean, just let that sink in for a second. I find it really strange, actually, just side tangent really quickly. It's so strange that, like, the stem's fine, but the leaves are poisonous. Yeah, it's fascinating. That's weird, huh? I know. I find yeah. it really weird. Yeah. Anyway. But, I mean, it's the same for, you know, you brought up apples and apricot kernels are the same. Yeah. The flesh is good, but the, you know, the seeds contain... Mm. Yeah, okay. Poisonous. Yeah, Yeah, that's true. Um, Okay, so uh, when you're picking out rhubarb as well, you want the, you know, the stem to be firm, snappable, you know, no bruising or anything like that on it. It's really, uh, and I'd say that most people have picked up celery before. Mm. You want it to be like fresh celery. Mm -hmm. It's essentially like a red version of celery. Yeah, it's basically the same thing. Exactly. So, Mm. you know, and when you pick up celery, if it's droopy and hanging down and Mm. like it's... Nobody wants anything limp. and No, no. that is (laughs) (laughs) correct. Mm. Nobody wants that. Mm -hmm. So, uh, okay, so baking rhubarb, you can cut it into chunks. So cut the stem into chunks and you cover it with sugar, you know, cover it in with foil and you can bake it in the oven for, you know, 15 minutes until it goes soft. And that's pretty much how you bake with rhubarb. Uh, you can poach it as well. Again, cut it into little sticks, chuck sugar on it, a little bit of water, and then you simmer it for like, you know, eight minutes or so. Um, if you do it for a bit longer, then it gets a bit more like a puree or a compote or something like that. Um, if you're looking at pairing flavors, Rhubarb goes really well with vanilla, ginger, orange, and star anise. 
Mm-hmm. It also goes really well with strawberries, which we touched on like just before. Does it, or have we been brainwashed to think that? It no, it actually really does go with okay, no, strawberry. Pretty much all the recipes that you can find online talk about strawberries and rhubarb or yep. apple and rhubarb. Yeah, apple and I, rhubarb I is a I think massive. I've had both of those. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, also goes with lavender. Yep. Uh, you can also pair rhubarb with dates as well. So because the dates are so sweet. Um, yeah, you get you that know, sugary. And, yeah. yeah yep. So rhubarb is a little bit sour, you know. Mm. That's why we add so much sugar and sweetness to it. But then that kind of balances the, the rhubarb out and gives it, you know, a beautiful flavor because of the sweetness that you add to it. Uh, you can also uh, add cardamom. Uh, to rhubarb yeah, and that's that, interesting yeah yeah so it's a bit more of a herbal things but you know it also pushes it towards a citrusy kind of note mm-hmm. um, when you add the cardamom in the ginger which i spoke about just before you know it gives it a bit more of a spicy kick mm-hmm. um, which is really cool uh, you can also pair it with coconut um, and it gives it a bit more of a tropical flavor. Um, and actually adds like a bit of a contrast to the rhubarb uh, flavor. Uh, you can also pair it with tomatoes, funnily enough. So sweet, sweet tomatoes uh, give it, you know, sweet tomatoes have a natural acidity to them, but the rhubarb just gives it a little bit more. Um, and it actually makes the tomatoes uh, taste better. Yeah, okay. But using the rhubarb with the tomatoes, you you put those into something like a savory kind of stew. So when we talk about rhubarb, it's not just um, sweet desserts. So I just want to get us past the sweet dessert thing. Rhubarb's not just that. You can actually use it savory as well. I've seen it in, I actually (laughs) found it before and I found it, someone was using it in tacos. Really? Which is weird, but. It seems super weird, right? But so I'm putting together, I put together 10 different recipes um, from tracking 10 recipes down on the internet. I didn't actually make these 10 recipes, but I found Why not? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) If I was doing doing 10 recipes a week, that would be all of my time. (laughs) Uh, And I have other things to do. Zero. Uh, That's (laughs) correct. But I'm going to talk to you about these 10 recipes because these are the ones I'm going to be chucking up on the website so people can actually get into and and make them and get excited about making them. So strawberry and rhubarb muffins. Mm. So these look amazing. They've got a little bit of spiced uh, ginger in there and like chunks of strawberry. So strawberry, ginger, and the rhubarb inside these muffins, which (laughs) to me sounds bloody good. Um, there is a rhubarb pie that I'm putting up, which just looks amazing. I mean, rhubarb pie is kind of like that thing. That's just amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, there's also, uh, one for rhubarb blondies. Have you ever heard about blondies? Do you know what a blondie is? Uh, I feel like I should know. It's kind of like a brownie, but. Oh, yes. Stickier, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I have heard of that. Yeah. Uh, I'm also chucking up this one that's um, these vegan strawberry rhubarb donuts. 
Ooh. I know. I'll be checking that one out. Yeah, yeah. Glazed. Uh, glazed mm. donuts. Yeah. yeah. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also this uh, vegan strawberry and rhubarb crumble bars. So as you can tell, like a lot of these things have strawberry in them. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there's other ones as well. I did find something really cool, which was a roasted smoky rhubarb burger. Okay. Yeah, I know, right? So, so what's in that? So it's got um, it's got chickpeas and rhubarb, basil, uh, and I believe that they you know chop they chop the rhubarb up and they bake it Mm -hmm. with rosemary. And then they let it cool and then they process the rhubarb, the, the, the cooked rhubarb in a food processor until it's like nice and textured. And then they use that to form the patties. Yeah. 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 With like all the other um, herbs and spices so that they put into it. I was, yeah. That's what I was going to say. What's the smoky flavor? Uh, the smoky flavor is smoked paprika and yeah, uh, nice. liquid smoke as well. Okay. Yep. And they put a little bit of maple syrup in there too. So I think that's kind of like the perfect combination is the, you know, the maple syrup, which gives it the sweetness, the liquid smoke. It needs to be balanced out with mm-hmm. something sweet. Cause have you, have you tried liquid smoke before? No. Oh man. It's, it's a lot. Yeah. Okay. Like it is a lot. What does, I, does, um, does like a, a Lagavulian 16 year old count as liquid smoke? <laughs> <Pretty> much, <man. laughs> Do you want to just chuck that into you? <laughs> I would say that that is essentially liquid smoke. Mm. Yeah. That or a Lafro Exocast or something like that. <laughs> um, for those who don't know what we're talking about, that's whiskey. Should we start a whiskey podcast? <laughs> I don't know enough about whiskey to start a podcast about the point of this well yeah actually that's very true (laughs) okay you got me there uh i also found this vegan rhubarb and ginger upside down cake oh yeah which looks really cool and then there's a balsamic reduction with uh raspberry and rhubarb uh that's like a jam yep yeah i love balsamic reductions Mm. and i think that the you know they tend to be really like kind of rich Yep. And I think the rhubarb would work really nicely in there with the raspberries to give it like, uh, like I think it just sounds to me mm-hmm. like this would be a very deep dish. Yeah. You know? Really. Yeah. I know what quite, you mean. Really quite complex com- kind of. Yeah. yeah. And s- sticky and syrupy, yep. but also with, you know, balsamic reductions are typically a little bit sweet, but mm. it's a vinegar. Yeah. So it has that tartness. Also, mm. the rhubarb has the tartness as well to it, you know, but adding in those fresh berries and then cooking those down with the sugars, I, I just think yep. you're winning, right? Mm. So they are the recipes that we're looking at this week. Ah, I'm excited. Amazing. Yep. Yeah. And I'm going to make a couple of them. Uh, if, I can tr- if I can track down rhubarb, because I don't think it's in season at the moment, but... If I can track down some rhubarb. Um, yeah, well, that. seasonal, I think, yeah, it grows best in winter, but uh, yeah, yeah, you probably, we'll get to it. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, on, on the seasonal note, I am currently writing uh, an article on what fruit and vegetables that you should be having by the season. Yep, that's awesome. Yeah. 
Yeah. So, uh, a lot of health benefits, but also, uh, well, I'm side tangenting here just quickly, but a lot of health benefits to eating seasonally. Mm. Uh, but also, you know, if we just think about purely about the environment and transportation, if we eat seasonally, you know, the chances are that the supermarkets around us will be pulling it in locally yep. because it's cheaper to bring those uh, fruit and veggies in instead of it shipping over from or being flown overseas. From overseas. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So much better that way. Mm. And interestingly, um, in Ayurveda, uh, there's a term for eating seasonally, um, which is called... Uh, I don't think I'm pronouncing that right, but um, essentially it just means to eat seasonally and you do it for your health and wellness. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I remember, um, yeah, I've always talked about eating seasonally. Not that I actively go out of my way, but there's Mm. a lot of times where Chris and I'll go to the supermarket and she'll say, oh, look, there's cherries was a a good example. Yeah. I'll go, no, mate, they're not even in season. No, don't even don't even consider it. It's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. It's yep. tough that, huh? Yeah. All right, let's talk about how to grow a rhubarb. Let's do it. Mm. So it's actually a really hardy plant, um, which is good because we all like something that can sustain some neglect. Let's be honest. <laughs> We're not all perfect gardeners. That is very correct, mate. <laughs> I'm a testament to that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So um, quite hardy and uh, interesting. I, I don't think I'd ever, ever looked at what, um, I mean, I've seen pictures of rhubarb and I've seen it harvested at the shops, but what it mm. actually looks like, the roots and how it grows out of the ground. So it's, oh, yeah. I, you, have you seen it? You, yeah. Uh, you know what? Yeah. So it's, yeah. I, I don't even know how to explain it. But anyway. It's really strange, isn't it? Yeah. Well, it's, you know, it's, I guess it's it's not like ginger or turmeric or whatever root-wise, but it kind of grows in this weird shape and, yeah, weird form. And the root's quite thick. Yeah. 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 Which is, the stems kind of come out of like a – it's not a bulb, but it's no. like a, yeah. a thick – Shaft thing. <laughs> Sorry, what she said. I'm like I'm, I'm um, trying to do this without it being, yeah. without it sounding anyway, like that. But I, I'm just—it's got a really <laughs> funny root structure, and like you said, you know, the shoots come out of it all over the place. Yeah, they often referred to as the eyes. So okay. what happens is, is that you can actually um, you can cut the eyes off, and then plant it somewhere else and grow another plant. And then the same thing will happen. It'll get bigger and then you can kind of divide it up. And okay. so, yeah, really easy to kind of move around and divide. Propagate. So, I love it. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, so that is the best way. The, the root is kind of called the crown. So the yep. best way is to to get an eye off the crown and plant it and grow it. And that's the best way to, to propagate or to grow your own rhubarb. Oh, you, cool. can, you can grow it from seed that you buy it as well. Okay. Um, but you might you might be able to buy crowns from nurseries and that sort of thing. Um, otherwise you have to go from seed. It just takes a little bit longer. Yeah. Yeah. So it is actually a cool climate plant, but it can grow in what you would call like subtropical environments as well. So yep. um, even though it's cooler climates, as long as you're not in like full tropical, it'll, you'll still be able to grow it. Um, 
again, you know, I said it's quite hardy, so it can be grown in a, a wide range of soil types. Um, the basic requirement is that it, the soil is well drained. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, you, you can, um, you can give it some nutrients and, and fertilizer as you need to. And it'll, it, it is a really, really hardy plant. Mm. Um, when it comes to harvesting the rhubarb, uh, it is suggested that you should not harvest anything over the first growing season. So basically my take from that is let it grow for a year before you start to harvest it. So don't take anything from it while it's a young plant. Okay. Um, Let it, let it properly mature before you start to take anything away from it. Okay. Um, You really want it to be established. And then when you do, when you do harvest it, you pick from the outside. So don't just walk up and grab something from anywhere. You pick from the outside um, and then kind of pluck it down and away from the plant. Um, and yeah, making sure you work from the outside in basically. So does then, it just keep growing? Yeah. Well, it uh, yes, it does. And then they talk about a lot of stuff I read says after about three, between three to five years, um, then you would start dividing up that root system. So you'd let it fully establish wow. and then you can divide it up and then, you know, m- either make other plants or give them to other people who want to grow it and that sort of thing. So, wow. um, yeah, that's it, cool. It, yeah, it is. Um, it is cool. It's one of those plants that just keep giving really at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, but yeah, really, really easy to grow yourself. Once you, once you get it established, it'll, you know, really hardy and, and, and easy in terms of companion planting goes really well with your brassicas so you know your cabbage and kale and broccoli and all that sort of stuff really well with your allium so onion and garlic and that sort Mm -hmm, of thing mm -hmm. um funnily enough really well with strawberries (laughs) uh and actually goes well with beans as well so um yeah pretty pretty decent list of uh companion planning on that one as well yeah that's cool i like that um but that mate that is basically how to grow rhubarb that's amazing yeah simple yeah, it is. Yeah. I like that. I mean, so I, the the thing I took out of that is see if you can get yourself an eye. Correct. That's and the best way to do it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. You may be able to get it from a, a, a good nursery. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Amazing. Yep. Speaking of strawberries, mm-hmm. we are the strawberries that we planted six, oh, yeah. seven weeks ago yeah. now are all flowering. That's so cool. Yeah, so we should yeah. actually have strawberries soon. Oh, I hope so. You might, you might have to protect it from the birds or something. Yeah, I, I thought that might be the case. We, we've been speaking about putting a uh, like a, a mesh over the top of everything so that yeah. you can keep some some uh, things out. Yeah. But we just haven't got around to that yet. Yeah. But yeah. I yeah. mean, it's a good time for us to actually mm. to incorporate that. Yep. We need to put some shade cloth up on the back of the fence as well so it stops blowing all the beans uh, yeah. off of the fence. Yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah. But uh, it's doing That's well. cool. Yeah. Actually, mm. it's funny you're talking about strawberries. Chris went to our, it's like our local greengrocer, so not the supermarket. Yeah. Greengrocer. And she brought home a punnet of strawberries and she said, smell these. And she was kind of holding in her hand, but she had like a bag of food and stuff and she couldn't hold it up to my nose and I yeah. could smell them from where I was standing. They oh, were, wow. they were amazing. Yeah. That's so good. Yeah. I love fresh produce that, that mm. is like that. It's so yeah. good. Nice. Yeah. Wow. That was a short and sharp one today. That was yeah. fantastic. Yeah, it was. Yeah. I like it. Well, I mean, 
thanks, man. Thank you. <laughs> I was like, I got a bit lost there. I was like, okay, well, thanks. And I'll, I'll see you later. <laughs> I, was, I was just going to sign off and uh, not actually say anything else. But uh, look, uh, make sure you go check out the links to the recipes and also to, um, you know, the show notes as well. Jump on Instagram and tell us if you like it. If you don't like it, uh, you can get us on, you know, iTunes and Spotify and all the other different places. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one thing I was going to say as well. So this seasonal um, fruit and veg guide that I'm doing up at the moment is uh, it's going to be really good because, well, not to toot my own horn or anything, but basically, (laughs) (laughs) so when you click on the guide for the month or the season that we're in, all of the different fruit and vegetables that we've spoken about on the podcast, I'm going to be linking each one of those things to the recipes. Cool. So, you know, if you're really wanting to eat seasonally and you, you, you go into it and you're like, all right, so in season is, you know, tomato and eggplant, blah, blah, blah. What am I going to do with it? Exactly. Yeah. And I'm going to link up those things. The ones that we've already spoken about on the podcast and I've actually done the recipes up for, but um, you're going to have at least 10 recipes for each of these different fruits and vegetables so that it's going to just take, make life a lot easier for you and you can eat seasonally. You generally try and mix up those 10 recipes, don't you, in terms of um, yeah, like dessert and, yeah. and different Well, I try sweets, to find, savory, that sort of yeah. thing. Yeah, and for different meal types, you know, breakfast, yep. lunch, dinner, if it's doable. Yeah, yeah. So some things aren't really like that. You mm-hmm. know, rhubarb, or, although it's... Uh, Actually, no, rhubarb is a bit like that. It's good for it's good for snacks. It's good for breakfasts because you can put like stewed rhubarb on top yeah. of your oats or your porridge or... Pancakes or something. Exactly. You could cook it down and make it into like a jam or a preserve mm. or something like that or even a liquid, like a, a sticky liquid that you could pour over pancakes. So, yeah. you know, it can be used for all that. And then there's savory ways that you can use rhubarb as well and tomato stews and all sorts of stuff. So... Mm. You know, and I do try to give a wide variety of different ways to use it. Yeah. 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 Cool. Because I figure, you know, some people like sweet things, some people like savory things, some people don't like eating dinner, some people like eating breakfast. Mm. I don't know. Whatever you want to do, I don't really care what you do, but we just got something for everyone. Each to their own. Correct. That's right. So uh, thank you again for listening, everyone. We really do appreciate it and we appreciate the messages as well. And, you know, uh, we are having a really good time. Yep, definitely. That's it. Good times. Cut it off. Good times, bro. We're done. Yeah. Do yourself a favor. And eat more plants. Nice. Thank you.